And so it begins. Kaboom. Whoa. You you listen to me talk about jumping Jackie Jackson, both from the Jackson Five and from Rucker Park. To elaborate further, a man who loves basketball, basketball history in particular. He likes to take it back like the seats in a Cadillac. He has a podcast. It's called the Over and Back Podcast. Jason Mann, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me. Dude, thanks for doing the show. Okay, first question. Have you been to the Rucker before? I have never been to the Rucker before. That would actually be um, excellent. I've only been to New York City twice. So uh, next time I go, once this COVID stuff is all done, I'm definitely going to try to make my way to Rucker Park. Okay, where you at? Where are you from? I'm from Ohio. Whoa. I mean, Ohio is a low-key basketball mecca when we really think about it. Every state has, like, prestigious summer leagues. I think we can all agree there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's some great players from um, history certainly come out of um, Ohio. Obviously, LeBron you know, pretty much takes the cake in terms of the great players that comes from Ohio. You know, you got Jim Jackson. You know, you go back to the Ohio State. You got um, you know John Lucas, John Havlicek, uh, those guys. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, history that comes out of the state for sure. Yeah, I've never been to the Rucker either. I'm from Virginia. Uh, very familiar with the town summer league. My dad used to coach. He was like a player coach. And I think he also provided Gatorade for the whole thing. Like he was getting these, he used to have the hookup on this, like it was like this knockoff Gatorade stuff. You remember like the bet when they used to do it like powder? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. And it, I don't remember the name. The name was just like power and like, no, it was like, I, it wasn't Power Man 5000. Power Man 5000 is a rock and roll band. Right. I think I can. Yeah. He, Jason can confirm. Yes. Oh, yeah. I absolutely can confirm. Yeah. Lots of great Power Man 5000 memories here. Do you think Power Man 5000 ever went to the Rucker? Or any member of the band? Did any member of uh, Power Man 5000 actually go to the Rucker? Man, you're going to test my knowledge here. Um, I'm going to I'm going to suspect no, but I think that had Power Man 5000 gone to the Rucker, that that would have changed the course of music history. Power Man 5000 would be in the upper echelon, you know, in terms of you know uh, probably below the Beatles, but above the Rolling Stones in terms of you know the the, the iconic bands that we think about. Uh, yeah, impact level. You are correct. Next question. Do you think the history of the NBA would be different if Jackie Jackson was accepted by the league? You know, that's an excellent question. And, um, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure, was limited, you know, because when he's coming in, I think he was drafted in 62. And, you know, obviously African-American players are entering the league at that point. And, you know, there's there's a greater, you know, the the. Certainly, they're being felt their impact in the league. There's a great superstars like Elgin Baylor, Bill Russell, Bo Chamberlain, but you're still kind of limited to like roughly, there's unofficial quotas of roughly three, maybe four players um, that are going to be black on a team. So, yeah, that definitely limited his options. And having somebody, you know, with that level of athleticism, um, you know, being able to be in the league and, you know, be leaps and bounds, you know, most of the guys who are in there with, you know, possible exception of somebody like Chamberlain or somebody like Baylor. Yeah. That's going to have to make a difference. I mean, you know, I was trying to look and see if there's any kind of video footage of jumping Jackie Jackson out there and I didn't see anything, but you know, from the tales that you tell, I mean, he definitely, um, you know, was, was capable of some incredible feats. Yeah, man. T- 
too athletic for basketball. That's crazy. I mean, they weren't running fast breaks. Yeah. And dunking was straight up disrespectful in a professional setting. It's crazy to think like, and now like if you get a big dunk in a college game, if you get a big dunk in a high school game, that might, that might set you up for 10 years. Right. Yeah. A a totally different world. And yeah. And especially in, you know, in the fifties, and this was changing a bit by the early sixties, but definitely in the fifties, man. Yeah. They, anybody who dunked was going to get, you know, knocked on their ass. I mean, you know, guys could obviously do it, but basically the way that the game was played, how physical it was, um, you know, there was a very strong uh, negative incentive to do that. And that obviously, you know, changed throughout the, uh, the sixties and beyond. Yeah. I think, you know, we have a lot to attribute to this, the uh, development of television production and also drugs, straight up drugs. I think acid played a big factor in the acceptance of athleticism and slam dunking. OK, yeah, that, that imagination it inspires the imagination, inspires people going to new heights and, and, and inspires some creativity. I, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, exactly. I ha- can't. I don't. I think I've ever ingested a illegal substance but if i had i imagine it would make me want to do a statue of liberty dunk if i was high on lsd if in theory theoretically so you think you would try a double dewberry with a cherry on top if you had ingested acid i you know what the so yeah, I would try to eat one. My So you say Dewberry, and I get to thinking, what actually would I name my dunk? If I had a dunk, what would it be? What would it look like? What would they call it? You know, if I had a dunk, it would be an NBA Jam dunk. It would be a, it would be a double windmill. If I could do anything that just possibly humanly, double windmill like from the side, you know what I mean? And I don't know what that's called. I guess we call that like just a sick ass windmill dog. Maybe put a comma in there. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, the dunks that I imagine myself doing are the the Dominique Wilkins uh, style dunks, like, you know, um, catching it off the backboard, grabbing it, you know, uh, doing a, doing a, uh, a windmill and slamming it down. You know, that's, that's what I imagined there. I have never even been able to enable myself to the point where I could think about dunking. You know, my, my game is very ground bound. I, I would fit very well in the fifties. Um, yeah, so I, I've going. never thought about, you know, what, what, yeah, yeah. Never thought about what my dunk nickname would be, but that's a, uh, that's an excellent question. Perhaps yeah, as we go throughout, maybe we can think of some, I, I, again, maybe something that's also a, a Sunday flavor would uh, work very well. You know. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know what? I'm calling mine the Rainbow Sherbert. It's a Rainbow Sherbert. I used to love Rainbow Sherbert. Remember Baskin Robbins? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like their 31st flavor of 32. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The value of a quarter comes to mind when I think about this. When was the last time you even had change in your pockets, Jason? 
<laughs> uh, you know, I keep a little bit in my car in case I uh, in case I need some, you know, for parking meters or uh, things like that. Other than that, yeah, I, I I don't even like the feel of change in my pocket. As soon as I am in a situation where I do get change, if I happen to pay for a very low cost purchase something at a convenience store or whatever, I immediately want to get it out there. I want to get it in my car or maybe I take it home and put it in my change jar. But yeah, I, I don't even like the having it in there. I kind of love change. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm actually a huge change fan. Oh. I used to have, I had the coin map when they dropped all the states, the quarters with the states on them. Nice. Yeah. But then I kind of, I fell off. Like, aren't they doing like more? Didn't they do? Aren't they up to like version three of state <laughs> quarters? <laughs> I, you know, I haven't kept up, but that's, uh, that's interesting to, uh, that's interesting to learn. I mean, obviously you know, you're, you're only limited amount. Of states. Maybe they should go to cities. Maybe they should make um, quarters for every NBA city and then put like the best, um, you know, the, the best representative of that city on the coin. Yo, I would love that, man. A Lance Stevenson. <laughs> he would not be my first choice, but okay. I, <laughs> I'm i going go. straight to Lance. It's time to dance. Who in the NBA can touch the top of the backboard now? Is there anyone? Maybe Mobamba? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It would have to be somebody like that. I mean, back when Dwight was in his prime, I think maybe he could have done it. For I know sure. he did. Yeah, he did that dunk in the 07 or 08 contest where he put like the sticker and it was very, very near the top of the backboard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. shouts out to JaVale. I think we, I think JaVale in his prime key could get it too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking like Rudy Gobert. I mean, he doesn't really dunk, but he can jump so high he might be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Bowl, bowl, whenever his, um, whenever his feet, whenever he gets his feet together. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. You know, yeah, yeah, he might could. It's a limited group of guys, though. I love the story, though. I, I, I do. I love the idea of it. I, I don't want anyone to ever say, "Oh, that didn't really happen." I don't want anyone to ever provide evidence that it didn't really happen. Like this is totally a you know print the legend type thing. I don't, I don't care what the truth is. I want to believe the story, and I'm going to go ahead and believe it. it. Just being in Harlem in the '60s is all. You're, you're a superhero. It's like it's comic book stuff. Right. Like people, they had yeah. rocket ships up there, man. They was doing. All, Sam Cooke was hanging out. It was just a wild place to be. Anything was possible. Yeah. I mean, NBA Street is based on Harlem in the 60s. Yeah, I mean, so many colorful characters. And just the idea of, like, you know, somebody like Jackie Jackson or somebody like, you know, Earl Manigot or, you know, those, those guys who, you know, those streetball legends who you know, didn't really have pro careers or, or barely were in there or might have played with the Globetrotters, you know, mixing it up in situations with, you know, with Willis Reed, with uh, Will Chamberlain, with, um, you know, the stars of the day, just the idea of, you know, th those games occurring and th those situations, just imagining that world and just the cool stuff that, you know, would have happened in those situations. It really it, it's I, I love hearing those stories. And, you know, wh again, whether they're true or not, I love hearing them. And I love the idea of just that mix of those great streetball legends, you know, playing against those, you know, great pro, pro players in different situations. Yeah, shouts out to Pee Wee Kirkland while we're here. A legend in two games like I'm Pee Wee Kirkland. I, you know what I think? You know, they always say, how come this guy didn't make the league? How come that guy didn't make the league? And, you know, we could get into social politics and opportunity and, and schools and the difference between charter programs and uh, yeah, basketball factories. But you know what I think? I think some of the time, some dudes, 
just weren't comfortable playing in uniforms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's a couple of those guys. I'm going to say maybe 8% of your top street ball players of all time really just wanted to play in a baggy white tee. And that wasn't allowed. Shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out to the, to the baggy white tee. Keep it comfortable. Yeah. It, su- it sucks. It sucks. Just like everything, being ahead of your time. Because yep. then Adidas, you remember when they were wearing the jersey shirts? Right, right, yeah. Who knows what would have the possibilities if these guys could have seen Hoopers with sleeves? Yeah, absolutely. That opportunity 40 years earlier would have changed the game. Let me ask you this, brother. Who from back in the day do you think could play now? I'm imagining, I mean, obviously, Will, I mean, duh. You put a Will anywhere in the universe. But maybe something, maybe somebody, the guys, the, the, the folks in Internet land, the basketball referencees, if you will, might not be thinking of who do you do? Who, who would you throw out there that could get some run on at least the Thunder? I mean, Josh Giddy's pretty good, but they, they got some space for some minutes over there. Yeah, that's a tough question, because I, I do think that most of the NBA players from the 60s on, if they were if you, you you transport them to today, but they grow up, you know, having the advantages that NBA players currently have. You having the fifty years of knowledge of how the game's evolved, having the kind of training and nutrition and that kind of thing. I think most of those guys are able to play in the game today. Like I think I think most of those mm. guys had the had the strength and the athleticism. Yeah. You're just trying to transport somebody directly from then and now without any of those advantages, then yeah, most of them are not gonna be able to make it into the game. The the superstars you know, are gonna will be able to make it, but you know, the lower level yeah. guys, yeah, yeah, probably not. So that that's a tough question to me. Um, you know, if if I'm thinking more in terms of um, you know, a guy who I just love to see how like love to see how his style would have evolved. I, I think it's Julius Irving. I mean, obviously, Julius Irving is a superstar. Another guy who you know made his name in Rooker Park, uh, you know, uh, playing great. Another guy who you know really um, was sort of the newer version of Connie Hawkins in terms of you know having similar skill sets, having similar experiences, etc. Um, and, and obviously, we we have footage of Julius Irving playing, but that's later on in his career. But the early years, the years where he really had his peak athleticism. If you could take 1972 Julius Irving. And put him, you know, in 2022 context and see how it is. Even hey, if it's just the raw guy, even if you're not, you know, accounting for anything in terms of thing, I'd just love to see that. I'd love to see how he could contribute and, and what he would do there. I mean, yeah, for sure. Isaac Okoro, I saw Okoro hit the Irving layup a couple of weeks ago. He hit the behind the backboard, yeah. scoop de whoop, right. and everybody was shocked when it happened. So some things are timeless. I think we can agree on that. My final question to you before we bring this thing, before we land this plane. Where are the Harlem Globetrotters today? When's the last time you've seen them? How come they never figured out how to update the jerseys in a fun way? Yeah, I, you know, I saw, I think, a flyer in the mail or so, or maybe a banner on a website that they were actually coming to town fairly recently. So I, obviously they're still around, but yeah, Hell the cultural... Yeah. Yeah, uh, they don't really have much of, you know, a, a cultural influence, even when they were past their prime in terms of you know, the NBA had come to prominence in the 60s and the 70s. 
Um, you know, and, and they were clearly supplanted by the NBA and by other things. They still, you know, they had cartoons. They had, um, you know, the, oh, man, they, they were, were still, running around with Scooby-Doo. They yeah. were hanging out with Scooby-Doo every weekend. Yeah, they they certainly. Yeah, they were certainly a strong part of the culture. Yeah. And just, you know, the, the world has changed. There's not really the level of, you know, star, you know, the charismatic charismatic power of that. I mean, I think what we we're trying to see in the Globetrotters, we get enough of it from the NBA game, just in terms of the magic, in terms of just the incredible, you know, the incredible dunks, the incredible passes, all the incredible things that modern players can do and have the freedom to do within the context of the game, which they didn't have, you know, in the, uh, certainly in the sixties and seventies. And even, you know, later on, I think we get enough of that, though, that where there's not really much of an appetite for what the Globetrotters do beyond that, because we get enough of it in the NBA game. First off, you're absolutely right. The NBA game is exactly what the Globetrotters were. I think I figured it out, though. I think there's a lot of influency type guys. There's a lot of these accounts to your your house of highlights, your balls, balls is life's. There's a lot of basketball influencer type guys who are pretty good at basketball, but not good enough for the NBA. Similar to the Globetrotters. So I think we put together teams of internet guys to go against the Globetrotters. It's a new generation of Washington generals. And they go by the name of Max is nice. You understand what I'm saying? We could, uh, there's a, there's an opportunity here. Yeah. I feel I like, like it. Like NBA thinking. story time is, is as much as it is about a basketball information and comedy and merriment. It is also about business opportunities. I like it. Excellent. We got to, well, got to get this in front of the appropriate people, make it happen. I'm going to make some calls. Jason, All if right. you know anybody, let me know. We'll talk about it off air. I don't want to leak right. that type of stuff to the public. I don't know what these jackals are capable of. Take your idea. Then they're going to say they yeah. invented, you know, though I, yeah. I, I'm the one who founded the Harlem Globetrotters. It wasn't Jamel and Jason. <laughs> hey, we've got the recorded evidence right here. We, we did it first. That is true. We did it yeah. first. We didn't hit it first, but we did, did it first. Uh, Jason, man, Thank you for coming on the show. Where can the people find you? Where do you want them to find you? Before we do that, actually, I do have Ooh. one, if you don't mind. I, I have one anecdote that I found oh, about uh, Jackie Jackson. Yeah, I, so I was looking through Foul, which is the, the biography of Connie Hawkins that um, you know, was written in the 70s. Go Hawks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll quote, uh, he's, he's talking about you know some of the players from Boys High and other NY City players who are playing throughout the city, getting noticed, and he says about uh, Jackie Jackson, Jackie was soaring so high, he had printed black on white business cards reading, Jumpin' Jackie Jackson, have converse, will jump. The cards had Jackie's phone number, and Hawk suspected every girl in the city had one. Hell yeah. Man, what a reference. Uh, what is, what is that show called? Uh, uh, it's called have gun will travel. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. What a genius. What a, what a great move. Reminds me of when my friend Jose printed up fake Popeye's coupons as business cards, (laughs) uh, just genius level stuff. Excellent. Okay. Have Converse will jump. That's a t-shirt. Are we allowed to print that up as a shirt? I think so. We'll get we'll get to legal people on it. We'll see. But yeah, I think yeah. Once in the same call about the other thing, we'll do this. We'll do this thing. Yeah, a lot of business take care, but that's all right. Well, thank you for sharing, bro. Uh, I know the over and back podcast is is cracking. 
But uh, yeah, give them the full details, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. You can go to overandbacknba.com. You can see all the episodes of the uh, podcast, basically just looking back at the history of the uh, NBA and other pro leagues, talking about the great and the not so great. We share anecdotes that we find when doing research. Occasionally, we'll dive into random statistical minutia. And we are also Charlotte Bobcats truthers. So if you're into that, Whoa. those theories. Yeah. Do you know where I can get a uh, Steven Jackson with the pinstripes? That yeah, jersey? Let's talk about that offline. I, okay, I okay. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, okay, absolutely. that's what's up. So, oh, wait, yeah. hold on. Let me, I'm going to ask you for one more nugget just because you say other leagues. What's a, what's the best league to like find highlights of outside of the NBA, ABA excluded? Yeah. Well, I, we're, I mean, we focus pretty much on, you know, ABA, um, ABL and NBL, you know, which along with BAA was one of the two leagues that, you know, merged together to form the NBA. So unfortunately not much footage, uh, outside of that. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to look for some highlights, you know, you got some Arvidas Sabonis stuff from international play or, or Europe. So, um, you know, that, that, that's obviously, that'd be the first thing that I get into, but yeah, honestly, you know, the stuff that we tend to dig into, there's not a lot of footage. It's more about stories and anecdotes. Okay. You, you come for the Arvidas, stay for the Sabonis. Jason Mann, folks. Thanks so much. Oh, man, appreciate you. Thanks for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor, and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Devin Shepard is our associate producer and the only one who makes sure we all get on the bus on time. Thank you, Devin. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. Got an idea for a story you want us to tell? Leave it in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll put it in front of our Podcast Homeowners Association to see if we're allowed to make it sometime in the future. And I'm not repainting my fence. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time. Hold up. 